Hi, it's David here from our Weekly Bread. This is another bonus episode featuring Father Yeprem, a retired priest from Racine, Wisconsin. Though he's not really retired, but we'll get into that later. And this is my conversation with him on serving others and what the church really means. The theme of the episode is, it was a joy and a privilege. Enjoy. You made it. (laughs) How's my sound? Sounds pretty good. Okay, and I'll just keep talking normally as if you're right here. Exactly, as if we're in person, you know. (laughs) First of all, you have over 40 years of service as priesthood. Is that correct? Uh, You do the math, yeah. 1973, yeah. Wow. And and you retired within? About five years, six years ago, I retired. It seems like even though you're retired, you're not, you're still working. You know what I mean? Uh, well, <laughs> you're always you, working. David, you know, uh, I hope we're not on the air, but five, six years ago, I just realized right. not doing enough of the work of Christ. So you retired so you could do more work. So I could do more work. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's what I love about the stuff that you do is you've always been about work service, yeah. you know, Fuller Housing Center for Armenia, Habitat for Humanity, Fund for Armenian Relief, Activism, Social Justice, all this stuff, you're always working, which being a priest, you're kind of a mirror for what Jesus was doing. The the reason I wanted to talk to you specifically and share what you had to say is because I, I just admire your ministry, which is service, you know, inside and outside the church. And you, David, you are far beyond where I was at your age, far, far. Uh, light years beyond where I was at your age. Cool. Really? Like, because yeah. I mean, I guess what what was your calling? Like when you were in your 20s, what were you doing? I was going to save the world. Yeah, I was in college. We we're going to save the world. We we're going to end the war. We we're going to end poverty. We right. were going to have uh, equal voter rights, housing, etc. We were going to save the world. That was what I was doing in college. And now it's that struggle is still continuing, right? You know, still working to save the world. We must. You know, regarding liturgy, I don't reflect Jesus Christ at all. It is Jesus Christ at the altar in the chalice. I happen to just be closest. Closest. And in a way, many times, Mm -hmm. (laughs) of of Jesus Christ. But what you said about we got to be doing his work in the world, that's it. Because mm-hmm. there we're with Jesus Christ during the liturgy. We're in the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we leave. And that's exactly what you said before. We're doing what he would have done in the world. Yeah. The theme you wanted to talk about today was it's a joy and a privilege. So tell me a little bit about how this came to mind. It was a joy and a privilege. My entire ministry, I always tell the guys at the seminary, the women at the seminary, it is a joy and a privilege to be a priest of the Armenian church. And as Father Dajad Davidian, a blessed memory, would often <laughs> say after I would say something like that, and he said, yeah, and we're all overpaid. Because <laughs> we get to do this fantastic work. Let me just touch on, before we get into working for Jesus in the yeah. world, you know, so, yeah, I got a couple of degrees and this, that, and the other thing. But you know why people share stuff with me? They share their deepest secrets, their deepest stories, their spirituality with me. You know why? Mm -hmm. Simply because I'm wearing a collar. Mm -hmm. It gives me license to ask any question of anybody at any time, a a deep question. 
to get to them to talk about their God. I can walk into a coffee shop, put my collar on, and guys, the person behind the counter. Hey, so when did you meet God? Something like that. You know? <laughs> what a joy. What and yeah. people share it when they're dying in their last five years and they're dying, they're going out, they'll tell me everything. Yeah. And so we get to do all of this work, which is the joy, my God, and the, the privilege. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think if I'm not mistaken, you know, Jesus kind of turned the idea of church upside down and saying, like, mm -hmm. you know, we are all called in a way to yeah. the essence of priesthood. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? It's actually a little fuzzy area for me. You know, uh, for that, you, you got to go back to, let's say, First Peter, where we are the church. We are the church. Ah, when we are the royal priesthood, that would mm -hmm. be in First Peter. Don't, don't. Don't, don't get me to a verse here, if you would. Yeah. You know, the deal with being a priest, we serve one function. That's it. We're, we do the liturgy. We do the badarak. But the rest then, everybody's a priest serving God. And what does a priest do? He offers everything. Sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. He offers everything to the Lord. He takes the world he live, in which he lives, and he offers that. To the Lord. If you get any argument from Armenian clergy, um, <laughs> because we don't represent Christ, oh my God, poor Christ, if we represented him. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah so, you, know, you know, not a good no, portrait. No, so <laughs> then we, if, you, if they say, oh no, uh, no, priests have a different position and we all have, no, then you go to uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 5, where St. Paul who is the elder of the elders, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Paul thanks the Philippians because of their partnership in the gospel. And so you and I've heard you talk, David. I sense a great partnership in the gospel with you. And so we're all Thank in this you. together. We're all and, and that's kind of the whole point of, you know, even just creating our weekly bread podcasts, we're all in this together, right? We are all leading this life. And it's like, what's the life that we want to lead and help people along the way? This isn't a race. You know, this is a more of a growing community. It's a garden, not not a four by four, 100 meter relay, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You mentioned the gospel. And I think when we last spoke, just you and I, you said that the word gospel in Armenian means something. Avedaran. Avedis. Avedaran. Let's just use Avedis. the root word, huh? Okay. Avedis. It's promise of gift. Think about that. Think about that. So when we say gospel, promise of gift. Oh my God. And then, then you click in, right? Because mm -hmm. what are the things he promised us? And I'm not talking just about eternal life. Everything. He promises hope, goodness, joy, a few good future, forgiveness, everything. Promise of gift. You know, the gospel readings are pretty much the story of Jesus on earth and what he did and all the works and miracles that he did. And to bring that to today, we say, oh, that was, you know, 2000 years ago. This is old. But no, it's it's the promise of a gift now, even yeah. presently. And 
how we can apply that today. I just find it every time that we read the gospel, it's almost, you know, the breath of God. It comes to life. Second right? Timothy chapter three, verse 16. Yeah. Yeah. Breath of God. Breath of God. Yeah. Yeah. Pivoting here. Do you have a favorite Bible verse that pertains to, you know, it's a joy and a privilege? And it does, or... Yeah, oh, you, oh, you, you got me on favorite Bible verse. And anybody <laughs> that knows me well or has heard me talk and repeat myself ad nauseum, as my older daughter would say, hey, you, you said that two years ago, Dad. Uh, <laughs> At you least used that already, Dad. Actually, my favorite. But then I'll cut back to what you're talking about. Yeah, this yeah. is in Last Supper, uh, John chapter 15, right in the middle of the last supper in John. So you know it's important that they, he put it in the middle. Mm. You did not choose me. I chose you. And I appointed mm. you to go and bear much fruit, fruit that will last, he said to his apostles. So wow. I take that word, he's talking to me. Yep, Ram, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And why? I chose you to go and bear much fruit. Good works, good things, right? Mm -hmm. Things that will last. But then that joy thing, only a couple sentences before he said, I got to paraphrase. Yeah, take, my, take my your, Bible take your just time. fell. It's um, okay. It's so okay. I want my joy to be in you so that your joy will be complete. So everybody listening to this podcast, please think about that. Jesus Christ wants his joy to be in us so that our joy will be complete. And it's joy so much more than ha-ha contentment. He wants his joy, which is infinite, to be in us. And what gave him joy? but to serve other people. What is salvation, but that he came to serve us, to be the servant. Here's like a personal anecdote here. I was very blessed to have wonderful parents. You married them. <laughs> and most parents, I would say, they always give everything that they have to their kids if they can and they're able. I was very privileged to have been given a lot so I could go to school so I could get an education and, you know, get a full time job out of college. And something was always missing. I was always being the recipient and always absorbing. I felt a disconnect between what was invested in me and the outpouring of the community. And so along the way, I tried to give back where I could. And especially when I was out of college, you know, there's no more exams to study for after you you're done with your job at five o'clock. It's pause and play. You can leave the work, come back and it'll be there in the morning versus, oh, I got this test to study for. I don't have time. So after work, I would go volunteer in my local community at a place called Loaves and Fishes. Yeah. And every Friday I would kind of bring beverages around, talk with people, typically the homeless community, and we provided warm meals. And that feeling of just being there, whether you're volunteering your time, food, whatever, connecting with your community, you really do tap into that larger essence of being part of the body of Christ, right? Even for people who don't believe in God and Jesus, your presence there 
is almost as if it is evangelizing. Like you are doing God's work by just doing and not even just saying. Working at a soup kitchen or any place like that. Yeah. It is church. It is church. Exactly. Yes. Who's present? Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Who else is there? Everybody. Who are you feeding? Jesus Christ and, and a lot of other people. Yeah, that and is going church. Back even, even that, what is church? Church is community, right? Yeah. So that's why it's church. That's why the soup kitchen is church. And now, hey, the question I want to ask, when, when you're there and working there, when have you met Christ? You ever had a, a feeling or a sense that, oh, Jesus Christ is here? Oh, I mean, many, real. Many. We know this academically, but really. No, 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 no. I can point to multiple occasions. I'll give you two. There was a homeless man who he had like a speech impediment, but he wasn't born with it. He um, was attacked in the street by someone and and it damaged his vocal cords. He thought he was going to die. He's now alive and well, and he also now serves at the soup kitchen. He was previously a guest and now he is also a volunteer and he doesn't have much, but he is giving everything just like the poor woman who gave copper coins and she had practically nothing while the rich men around her were giving her giving just what they had left over the woman was giving everything and so was this this gentleman another example was this family they have two children and i got to sit with this family every time at this circular table and they would joke with me every time I come in and they called me the milkman because I bring around all the beverages. <laughs> and I called them the lovely couple. They became an extension of my family. Every time I was there, I felt like I was their son. That amount of love, that was Jesus Christ. That was that love. Amount of love. That amount you know? of love. Right. Yeah. So it was a long answer to your question. No, but that amount <laughs> of love. Yeah. Right. And you felt that. And it was Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so I know you have done a lot of, you know, yeah. working with the elderly, the homeless, and even the youth. Like you have touched oh, every facet of communities, you know, young and old, rich and poor. Where have you felt Jesus's presence? Any examples that stand out to you? Of course. And every day, especially when I was in the ministry and seeing people and visiting people, almost every day, he is present. I can just feel him there. I, if I'm talking to an old person, mm -hmm. if I'm working at a soup kitchen, if I'm simply socially with a person, when we get into a deep conversation, I know he's the third person there listening in. No, it became common for me. And that's why I had to retire. I had to do more. We're running out of time. Because mm. he is, the Lord is simply all around us all the time. His glory is huge. We just don't see it so many times because we got our nose down somewhere. And we're right. not looking for him. So yeah, I, I just can't give you one. It always would happen. And it always does happen, but I tell you, I want to tell you what I tell uh, young kids when we break them into the soup kitchen. Um, <laughs> our church, my former church, we take 
over Monday night soup kitchen, but we only do it 14 Mondays out of the year. We got mm -hmm. a few other churches that come in and do it then too. So we get to bring in volunteers anytime we want. And I would always tell the kids when it's their first time in mm -hmm. and then halfway through, I'll pull them back. And I said, so, and I, there's only one right answer to this now. Should these people be saying thank you to you? And there's only one right answer. Now a nine-year-old will always get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and a teenager will generally get it wrong or they're guessing and get it right. And they'll say, well, yeah, they should say thank you. I said, no, that's the wrong answer. Because if we're feeding Jesus Christ here, <laughs> he's supposed to thank us. <laughs> Come now. Yeah. Right. It's, it's about sacrifice. It's about giving yeah. yourself selflessly, not expecting anything in return. Not yeah. even a thank you, if you will. Yeah. Don't need it. Amen. Because we're, we're feeding him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So how did you break the barrier of, you know, you mentioned that we always have our, you know, our heads down, our noses to the ground, caught up in our work. How did you break the barrier of saying, you know, I'm also working as a priest or my day job or whatever. How can you break out of just that mindset and into a service of people you don't know outside mm -hmm. your family, outside your existing community and friendships? And outside of the Armenian church. And too, outside right? the Armenian church, please. Yeah. Yes. Right, right. Uh, because th that's what Jesus Christ wants. He wants us to go outside of the walls of the church and take him mm -hmm, to them. Mm -hmm. Because exactly. he's already there. <laughs> right. right. So we, where were we? So we cut out a second ago. Uh, so the question I was asking was, how did you break into serving not just inside your community, but how did you break into serving outside of it? The, the seeds of that were always in me. My mother had taught me that as a little boy. She would bring carloads of old ladies uh, home on Saturday to help give them lunch. She would make visits with them, and she would drag me along to everything. So the seeds of that type of thing and many other things she would do, she would do interventions and drag me along with her. Uh, and I was like the nursing home dog. So the seeds were already there. Uh, and then, of course, college and all the social action and justice action of the 60s. But then, okay, the seeds were there. And then dealing with the Armenian church, you know, ethnicity, history, everything, so important, the services. And I, I think it took me only a few years to really break out. And I remember one thing that happened to me about 40 years ago. We were helping a Catholic church in a down and out area of Hartford, Connecticut. And he was telling me about serving the poor. And he had opened up his church basement for the homeless. And how one night, and I'll make this a quick story. This is a good story. It's his story. Uh, he helped a homeless guy in and gave him clean clothes, gave mm. him clean blankets and sheets. And then, you know, a guy set him up with food. And then the guy said, take off my socks and wash my feet. The priest says to himself, I'm the senior pastor here. I just opened up the doors. I just, I gave him food. And I had I to take, and the socks were like layers. He had to take pieces of skin off too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, and he was about to walk away. And he heard a voice saying, I'm telling you to wash my feet. Wow. And the voice was from above. 
That was chilling. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, that's what Jesus click. did yeah. to his click. disciples, right? Yeah, definitely click. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. And I, I don't, yeah, and then, and then slowly um, opportunities, not just helping the poor, but social justice issues also right. must be addressed. If we're going to end all the ills of society, if we're going to end violence on the streets, mm-hmm. we got to be fixing everything around us. So it just drum rolled from there. You I know, see. the simple things of food pantry, soup kitchen, working with Habitat for Humanity, and then more. And taking groups of people there, too. Exactly. Because it's not the church unless you have groups of people there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where we cut out um, in the first part of the thing, but I, I said something rather heretical that uh, five years before my uh, retirement, I stopped doing Bible studies. Hmm. Because it was the same old thing over and over again. And it wasn't being applied. The the Bible must be studied at the soup kitchen. Hmm. The Bible must be applied working at a habitat site. I see. That's where the Bible is applied. Stop studying it. Apply it. Yes, there is a study portion to it. But more importantly is the action of it. You know, doing the work and making something of it rather than it just being this cloud in your mind. The reason I asked that question is because I find it difficult for, well, let me tell you the story. Oftentimes where I'm from, there are homeless on the streets, like with signs, stuff at red lights, even families. And I always stop for the families, my goodness, when their kids are there. But sometimes, you know, you're at a red light and you're running some errands or whatever. You want to help out, but you're like, well, I don't have cash on me. Uh, I don't have food or something on me. And then when the light turns green, you're like, ah, I, I missed my chance. I got, I, I'm driving away. But I wanted to help. But did I really? You know what I mean? Like, if I really wanted to help, I would have. All right, let me pull over. Let me go find some food or something and then come back. And so what are some tips, I guess, or something that helps people to do the work rather than just think about it. Like that's a perfect example. I was just thinking about helping, but I didn't. So what are some tips you you have? And you know, everybody is off the hook. Uh, You can't do everything. I'll give you that right away. True. You just can't do everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, live an intentional life. Yeah. Figure out what you're good at in relating to people. What types of issues do you want to get into? I named a couple of them, right? And do it. If everybody did a little bit, we would be solving some problems out there. Um, So I don't know about California because you you guys are off the charts with problems. I know. We have have everything and all the problems with it, too. (laughs) Thank God I'm in Racine. 80,000 people. We can fix this place if we all work together. So that's it. Please, everybody, just do what you can in your local community outside the walls of the church. Get more people. Get your church involved in different issues also uh, and different types of work also. This is so very important. So something that's also been on my mind that I wanted to run by you is much of the youth today or you know, growing up in the church or first being exposed to it and then they leave is the common trajectory. All right. You know, school comes first, all this stuff. 
how, and then they eventually maybe come back when they decide to maybe get married or have a family or just when they're feeling down. What would you say to people who are not the kind of people saying, you know, I don't like going to church because I don't like having, you know, religion shoved down my throat. How do you welcome that mindset? And what would you tell someone who think who believes that, you know, I don't need to go to church for those reasons? Oh, uh, yeah, there's some bad reasons, obviously, and I call them out when I think they're bad reasons. <laughs> smoke. Don't worry about that. But what I've, what I've encountered is that there are other, like I've been talking about, there are other ways to serve the Lord outside the walls of the churches. They're serious about those types of ways we've been talking about, mm-hmm. and that is church. And maybe, I'll throw this one out, maybe the Armenian church is not dealing with consequential issues mm. that interest these young people. Yeah. Many young people, especially, especially people right now between the ages of 18 and 30, they're looking for purpose. Absolutely. And they're not just trying to get a job and yada, yada. They're looking for purpose and they're looking for institutions that would, they could use their skills to serve a greater purpose. And Agreed. The Armenian church has not offered that. Well, that's something that I think we're hoping to to change. I know I have some things I've told you about that I'm hoping that can bring about that sort of mindset of purpose. On that same subject, what do you wish people knew about God or that people often misunderstand about Jesus? Oh, oh. God is merciful. Period. Period. And he loves us. He loves us. He'll cut us every break in the world. He he desperately wants to love you. Whoever is listening, he desperately, with every fiber of his infinite being, wants to be with you. And wants to love you. That's God. Yeah, he didn't come to condemn us. He came to love us. Yes. And have mercy on us. Yeah. I mean, he's just a good dad. He's yeah. Like, that's, well, that's... You remember I told you what the word asfads meant? Please yeah. share that. Please. Oh, it, folks, it does not mean God. It does not mean Allah. It does not mean Yahweh or Adonai. Our word asfads means the one who brought us here. Before us is understood. Asfads. The one who brought us here. Wow. Of course, you're talking about creation, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. But of course. We're still here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so why are we still here? Well, God is there because he is the one who brought us here. He's with us constantly because he is the one who brought us here. That's why we call him Asfads. A continual presence in our life. I love oh, that. I love that so yeah. much. We'll close by yeah. just saying church is not this ancient philosophy this ancient mindset a historical story from 2000 years ago it's it's right now and the reason it's now is because of the works that we do just as jesus was doing he was always working miracles and that's what he calls us to do whether you're clergy non-clergy it's it's all the same body of christ and quite in the armenian church tradition spirituality true yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. There's right. a lot. We're always going outside the walls of the church. Yeah. Always. Appreciate what you're doing. 
Thank you, Father right. Yeprem. God bless you. God bless. I loved your family, please. <laughs> I will. And they... I didn't just wait. I married your your parents yes. once. They were married twice, actually. My grandfather was dying, and so they had a wedding at the hospital, so my grandpa could walk my mom down the aisle. Did I do the second time around too? You did. You you yeah, you so can't... I married him twice. Your your parents have been married twice. I know. I remember you defied tra- tradition. Next time you can say that your parents have been married twice. My parents have been married twice through you through one priest <laughs> in the one uh, church. You know, so oh, I love okay. it. I love it. So thank you, Father. Yeah, right. take care. Okay. Be well. Okay. Take care. God bless. Bye. Bye. Bye.